This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome to another episode of My Chelsea. Uh, this week we've got the ever so wonderful Mr. Martin Wickham, who of course, as, as many of you know, I've known for quite a while now. Uh, Martin used to come and sit on the benches when we used to do the Chelsea fancast in Putney. And for some strange reason, actually it was a fit of peak that he decided to go on the podding shed before the Chelsea fancast that I kind of, you know, in a podcasting sense, exiled him. And then I relented. Uh... I don't know, something like that. And anyway, he's, he's been on recently, which is great because he's such a fantastic bloke and, and, his, and his knowledge of football uh, is just supreme. And I can, I can vouch for that, having had Martin on my uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust quiz team on two times and both times we won the cup and it had very little to do with me. Uh, Martin's also a great uh, drinking buddy in the cock and the Atlas and anybody who's listened to anything that I've ever done on radio and podcasting will know that for me that is the most important part of the match day not the 90 minutes of football martin uh, how the devil are you squire i am very well thank you and it's kind of funny you're saying about the drinking before and after i've not missed the games that much since the league's been suspended but the rituals before yeah. and after have been a bit of a mix they have there we, go. we have been trying to do it virtually which i think is commendable but uh it's not quite the same it's not quite the same as being there is it uh, I, funnily enough, I did one of these with Rick Glanville this weekend. Of course, Rick's always in the cock as well. I mean, we, we, we were talking about that, and actually, that's that for me is the bit that I miss most. Um, anyway, as you know, this is all about. Uh, it's a bit like Desert Island Discs, but for football and Chelsea in particular, without the luxury item, the Bible, and the favourite book. Um, so there you go. Maybe I should add that in. You know, <laughs> it might be quite a giggle. But in the, in that kind of spirit of, of of journeys, how did your journey? as a Chelsea supporter, begin? Well, my journey's probably a little bit more, less direct than others, because I had no immediate family ties to the club. Um, as you know, Tudor, both my parents emigrated from the Republic of Ireland in the late 1970s, emigrated to London for work purposes. And um, I was born in Paddington a few years later, and 
moved out to Wembley when I was age seven. Um, like football, played it in the school playground and that, but this is kind of important as well. We didn't have Sky until a very, um, for a few years, because we couldn't afford it. My parents couldn't afford it. They worked all the time. And as once, once the Premier League went on to um, Sky, behind a paywall, if you like, I didn't get much of a chance to watch any league football. So most of my the football I saw when I was growing up was either international stuff, so World Cups, European Championships, or um, you know the occasional European game. So, I would, and also um, Italian football because it was on Channel Four at the time. So, mm. so ironically, a few years later, when we all the Italians did turn up at Chelsea, we watched them on Channel Four for a couple of years. So it wasn't so much of a who are they, but um, I saw more Italian football than English for a sort of quite growing up. Um, my dad worked all the hours God sent at the time because he was working in construction, so he didn't have you know time to take me to games or anything. So I kind of got there my own way, and the logic was I lived in Wembley at the time and. Um, Chelsea were the nearest London club. Nobody liked the colour blue anyway. And QPR didn't count because my dad got traumatised getting free tickets there in the 1980s. So that was um, that was how he just said it when, they, when they had a plastic pitch and he worked at the dairy behind near the ground. Gave out a few comps. He went there and, um, yeah, his description of it was mostly four-letter words in terms of the quality. So <laughs> he, no, he wasn't happy. But, um, yeah, I mean... Ironically, how's this, how's this for provenance? You know, once we eventually got Sky in, the first live Premier League game we saw was on, I believe, the 2nd of January 1996, and it was Chelsea beating QPR 2-1 at Loftus Road. There we go. Serendipity, Paul, Martin. Paul Furlong and a Danny Dickio own goal, I believe. There we go. Thank you very, thank you very much, Rick Glanville. So, I mean... You know, it's, this is what I love about doing this series, actually, because we're all such a different variants of ages. So we all kind of have our own like decade when we kind of got into all of this. And you're, you're kind of a child of the 90s, as it were. Uh, and I'm just kind of looking at, at what you sent me. And, you know, the luck that you have in basically turning up to Stamford Bridge in 1996 and 1997 knows no bounds it's like you managed to escape everything that went before martin and to that for that i applaud you <laughs> it's, it, it was it was very much good fortune on my part i should say it was more 1995 i started to yeah. come around but i didn't start going until 96 yeah. i mean first my first competitive game wasn't actually until 1997 but we'll get on to that in a bit no doubt but yeah i mean it was very much um it's funny on the day we're recording this it's been the anniversary of signing Rude Hullet, who I bloody loved, even yeah. even when I wasn't really following club football, you'd see him in the Italian games, you'd see him at the European Championships or the World Cup or whatever, and he was a fantastic footballer. And then he just turned up not a few miles away from where you live. It's something else, and I widely acknowledge that he started the revolution in that sense. It's a very good point, actually, that you make, and you know, I remember this, and obviously I'm a bit older than you, but. Um... The 1990, I mean, I've actually had a theory about this with a few mates who are not Chelsea supporters, actually, but they work, they work in the media in various capacities, but big, big football fans, nevertheless. And our theory is, is that, you know, it, it, you know, Italia 90, the, that World Cup is really fundamentally what changed football. Yeah, that brought, I think, a lot of people back into football that hadn't hadn't, you know, had gone away because it was too violent, and what have you. And it brought in a whole lot of new football fans suddenly it became okay to like football again 
1990 yeah. has a lot to play for that. But actually, you, I agree with you entirely. And, and this is, I remember this vividly. It was the, you know, Channel 4's coverage of, of Syria air. You know, particularly when Gaza went out there again, down to Italy ninety, of course. But you know, we knew all these players already that Chelsea were beginning to sign. I mean, you know, you'd have to be blind and stupid not to know who Rude Hullet was. But you know, a lot of the others, Viali, Viali, Zola a little bit because he was the short yeah. little guy, hit the yeah. brilliant free kicks. Even like Ravanelli going to Middlesbrough, everyone knew who he was because yeah. of the white hair and the celebration. Yeah, but we'd seen them. We'd seen them on the telly in the Serie A games, you know, and, and it's, it's, I th- it's, people underestimate, I think, how important that Channel 4 uh, Golazzo, wasn't it? Uh, uh, it was Football Italia, Golazzo. Italia, yeah. yeah, Ray Wilkins was on the commentary for the That's games. That's right. That's right. He was playing for QPR at the time, and yeah. me not having a concept of studios in London, you know, and the commentary being done from London, I thought he was like playing for QPR and then going out. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit naive at the time. And also, um, Paul Elliott was a regular yeah. after what Saunders done him in. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. We, we all saw the poll last week. So. Yeah, 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 quite right. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, interesting point. I'm glad that's kind of cropped up in these actually because it, it, it's well worth mentioning now you, you know your first game uh is not actually a competitive game is it so t- tell me about no. that well you'll like this because now, now you know my background my first football game ever was an england friendly in 1994 but dad somehow got tickets and he regretted it because it was shortly after terry venables had taken over that failed to qualify for the world cup and were hosting norway who had qualified and it was nil nil and it was an absolutely dreadful game. But, yeah, my first Chelsea game was in 1996. It was a testimonial stroke benefit for Steve Clark um, in August 96. And I now need to compose myself because I keep getting the opposition wrong. It was PSV Eindhoven we played, and it was 3-2. Um, Do you remember much about my, it? I went with my uncle. Unbeknownst to me, my uncle never didn't live over here, stayed in Ireland, but had become a Chelsea fan because around the age of 10, 11 was coincided with 1970. And this was all unbeknownst to me at the time. And he was a Chelsea fan. Oh, wow. So, so I don't think I picked, I'm not sure, so sure I picked it up off the ground, but I can't say for definite there was a you know, subtle nudge nudge unit in the in the family in the late 80s, yeah. early 90s. But I went with him. We're in the East Upper, I believe, mainly because two sides of the ground were a building site at the time. And, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we were a little bit disappointed because I don't think I don't think the, the big signings played. They were rested because they played a bunch of friendlies the week before they played Ajax, I think, and won a tournament up there. But it was a three-two and a fairly open-ended game. And I haven't got the programmes to hand, but there's names on there, and it's not exactly what's become of them. There are quite a few that went on to bigger and better things, both mm. on both teams. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, and then about a year later, you you get to your first league game, right? Yeah, a year later, um, September 1997 against Newcastle United. Um, this we're in. This was when the West Stand had start. The new West Stand had started to emerge, so it got tickets in the lower tier. And um, did it have its one, roo- one... did it have its roof on then? It wouldn't oh, have. No, 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 no. no. Way. Uh, I mean. First few, the first few games I went to, the only tickets I could get, funnily enough, were in the West End because there wasn't a roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so it was a one-nil win. I think Gustavo Poye scored. Um, and I just, my main memory from that game is um, 
I think someone got injured and Frank Sinclair came on. Paul Hughes. Uh, ah, Paul Hughes, that's the one. That's a, that's a trivia question for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the team's a little bit of a mix and match because we were, it was September 97, we have been around the time we were in the Cup Winners' Cup. So there might have been a little bit of rotation and resting and what have you. Um, I don't know if Andy Myers is on that starting. Yeah, well, I'll read the team for you. Ed DeHoy, Frank LeBeuf, Bernard Lambord, Gus Poyet, Dennis Wise, Graham Lasso, Roberto Di Matteo, who went off uh, for Mark Hughes, uh, Andy Myers, Tori Andre Flo, Paul Hughes, who got subbed by Frank Sinclair and Franco Zola. And of course, we were um, we were the cup holders. So we just that was yep. you know. So we'd come in as cup holders. Thing I find interesting. I remember. I, I don't remember this match very well at all, actually. Uh, I don't remember. I mean, you can tell me what it, it was wasn't. Like. A, it wasn't a fair. I'll be honest. It wasn't a memorable game. We just lost to Arsenal three two. Yeah, which was far more memorable and annoying. Exactly but, that. Um, I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah. I mean, this is the last home game. Was that three two loss to Arsenal, where bloody yeah. Winterburn scored that screamer in the last minute? Yeah, he'd never do that again in his if, in his life if he tried the bastard. Yeah. I mean, it's been quite bad because since the league's been suspended and we're in lockdown. I've been kind of watching the Premier League years on Sky and it got to 97, 98 and I could say it got to that game because of course it was live on Sky and I still swore at the television when Winterburn scored nearly 23 years on and I'm still getting pissed off by it. And that, that of course was a, was a kind of an era when Arsenal, apart from, I think we, we walloped them 5-0 in a, in a League Cup match, but other than that, yeah. Other than that, that that was uh, Martin and I used to laugh about that match all the time because of the, um, you know, what, they used to sing this song. I can't remember it now, of course, because I hadn't thought about it for a while. Bit of a brain fart, but uh, you know, that that stuck in the memory because obviously we walloped them. But they they had the Indian sign over us for a long, long time, and that was kind of Massively. in the yeah, that was in the middle of it all, yeah. wasn't it? Well, that that five nil was that the same. Was that the same season? That was the season before, weren't it? I think it might Cardi be. come back. But yeah, I mean, I remember going into school after 5 0, and it all sounds like, yeah, we don't care, it's the League Cup. I've, so, I've remembered the chart. 1 2, 1 2 3, 1 2 3, 4, 5 0. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I, seem to remember, I, see, I, see, I know we don't like him these days, but Tim Lovejoy was getting much footage out of it. Um, yeah. For the next week, because his mate was an Arsenal fan who just ripped the piss out of him for the entire show. Indeed. Uh, now, uh, your favourite players uh, yep. growing up, I, I mean, you know, as I said, w- what a wonderful time to to come to Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, you know, even for those of us that have been going for a while, it was you were pinching yourself uh, yeah. who was playing, you know, if, you, if you'd grown up, you know, watching the likes of Bill Garner or Alan Mays or a, a, a plethora of other incompetence that, that Chelsea had managed to field, to suddenly see a team fielding the likes of Rude Hullet, Luca Vialli, Zola, it was just yeah. like, I don't believe what's happening. But you, you came into this fresh, I suppose. I was fairly fortunate, but I was a little bit traumatised from watching Holland and Tony Cascarino. I wasn't completely immune, unfortunately. At least you didn't have to watch him play for Chelsea. Oh God! Apparently, he didn't qualify to play for Ireland after all that. I would imagine no. there's a lot of people who thought we didn't fucking qualify to play for Chelsea either. But there we go. <laughs> True. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, growing up, the favourite players obviously Hullet was just. You're still like, is he really here? Is that really him? Because you know, it was just obviously he was coming towards the back end of his career. But what a player! And just he looked, he was imperious. Yeah. And even though it was only like nine or ten at the time, and you just kind of knew he was levels above what was there and occasionally I think his own frustrations maybe 
what he realised that his teammates weren't quite on the same level as him, um, and maybe a little bit as a manager. I mean, Viali, I mean, just because he stood out so much, he's a bold guy, Italian, scored goals, and this was just him on the pitch, what we now know about him as a character. I mean, what a man. And I mean, all this horrible news we've been having recently, and he's obviously had his own health scare. It's just been wonderful that, you know, fingers crossed, he's got the all clear. But we were talking about um, it's all about um, football Italia and that. And when he came to Chelsea, they used that in the Channel Four coverage because obviously he knew James Richardson. And they filmed, I think they filmed a skit around Kensington where they're walking down the street and this car pulls up and a, a big gaggle of ladies get out of the car. It's probably not completely PC. And they're talking about the, the bald, the bald Italian football icon and they go past the audience start hugging James Richardson and things like that um but yeah it was, a, it was him and they were just like iconic players and then Zola came a few months later and wow that's something else and just in terms of the impression not just at Chelsea but in football in general it's the impression was unbelievable I've also, I've also um, got two other players I mentioned here one I'm going to go into a bit more detail later on so I'll maybe skip over him but Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank um, again, on it's an on this day on the Chelsea Twitter feed that we signed him 20 years ago today. Did we really? Uh, apparently so. Wow. It, it caught me out as well. But it's, I remember him playing for Leeds and then he left and went out to Spain for a season. Yeah, Atletico Madrid. Yeah, he went to Atletico Madrid. Um, Chelsea signed him after the Chris Sutton experiment. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Quite but, a mass um, experiment. Oh, God, I'm in more use. But um, yeah, Hasselbank, was a, I think certainly from my time, he's like a pro- more prolific striker. I mean, he would just get them. You know, he was a guaranteed 20 goal a season, man, yeah. which Chelsea hadn't had really since Kerry Dixon. We'd had, we'd had strikers, but the goals were a lot more distributed out. I mean, I mentioned Poyet earlier on, because he was, he'd always used to crop up with goals. Zola, obviously, but it's much more distributed across the midfield and across maybe a combination of Torre Andre Flo and a few others. So Hasselbank coming on the scene and just like, give me the ball and old score. And scoring them in whatever way. I mean, you have a foot like a bloody cannon, which was something else. And my one little regret about his career is that he didn't stay on for one season when mm. Greenland took over. It could have been an absolute disaster. It could have been the greatest thing ever because of the clashing egos. But you just love to have seen it just to see what what could have happened. But there we go. I'm really glad you mentioned Jimmy. You know, I mean, it's so it's impossible to do these things, isn't it? I mean, if you've been going for a while as well, I mean, there's just so many players that you, you, you've grown a, a liking for. I, I didn't mention him at all. And yet I absolutely love Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And I remember being just so... And it kind of coincided with the, the year that I got a season ticket for the first time. Mm. Uh, but that season where him and Ida scored about 55 goals between them. And, yeah. and and it was just just so so brilliant to see a Chelsea strike force with two strikers who could get over twenty goals, and I well I hadn't seen anything like that since Speedy and Dixon. Yeah, you know? that's what I'm saying. The whole you know getting guaranteed twenty a season was Dixon. Yeah. Now Hasbat was doing it, and Good Johnson chipped him, but he was more of a link man. And then Mourinho used him further back when yeah. he turned up to yeah. supply Drogba. But um, yeah, I mean they're a fantastic strike force and. You know, you've mentioned Good Yods, and I'm feeling a little bit <laughs> guilty for not including him on my list because he was a fantastic player in school. In many ways, he scored some absolutely stunning goals as well. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the best goals I've ever seen at Stamford Bridge uh, was, b- was b- before I had a season ticket, actually, But because uh, I was in the West Upper, because that's mm. the only place you could get tickets then. And uh, it was that goal against Leeds. That kind oh, of, that the bicycle? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah I had such a great view of that. So there you go. Um, excellent. Well, we might as well go on to your Chelsea hero then, seeing as I've, I, you yeah. know, you, you very kindly left him off the list. Yeah, um, well, I included him really because I think there are everyone will mention players like Osgood, Lampard, Terry, and they're all absolutely worthy of mention. But I want to mention someone who maybe is a little bit overlooked, and it's Roberto Di Matteo. Um, I think, unlike some of the other signings I mentioned from 95, 96, 97, Di Matteo's like 26 when he joined, so he's in the prime of his career. And in many ways, I think he gave up his international ambitions to take to join Chelsea because they were a little bit more insular then. But the, the main reason I mention him is the goal in 1997, the cup final, obviously. Bloody missed that because I couldn't get a drink, come back, and he's wheeling off in celebration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, he did it in 97. He did it in two more finals at Wembley, the 98 League Cup final, the 2000 FA Cup final. And then in September of 2000, he's 30 years old, breaks his leg in three places in Switzerland against St. Gallen. And his career's ended. And got reminded of that actually last week because they showed they were showing that Ashley Cole thing about his cup finals. One of them was the 2002 cup final when we lost to Arsenal. Less said about that, but I'd forgotten that Ranieri stepped aside on leading the team out to allow Di Matteo to. I completely forgot about that. And I was like, you know, it kind of got me a little bit. And remembering what happened because he it was a horrific injury and turned out that was his career. So that all happens, and then a decade later he comes back and he's in the dugout for, you know, the, I've written down the events of 2012 because it's just, it's an FA Cup, a Champions League, some of the most improbable football I've ever seen just in terms of how the hell did we do that? And he was in the dugout for it, and, you know, I was delighted for him as any, anyone else we finally did win, win the Champions League, and I've still got the image of him lifting the trophy somewhere on my phone. Um, I just think he's an abs- he was an absolute gentleman. I think he was also treated a bit poorly by the club in the end. Huge. So I think getting bundled out the door at four a.m. after a an away game in the Champions League and who he was replaced by still sticks in the throat now. I rather want to talk about the replacement. But I think it was very poor treatment. And the you remember the charity game a couple of years ago? The Chitlin yeah. Chitlin versus Inter. It's like Di Matteo running through midfield, hitting it from distance and scoring. You just kind of went, ah, that takes me back. (laughs) That takes me back. And yeah. And my other memory after he'd left Chelsea was that he went to um, Germany, took over Schalke for a little bit. And we were in the same Champions League group as them. Uh, We'd played the home game at Stamford Bridge. They had another manager sacked him and Di Matteo took over in time for the away game. So I was I was out there and um, midway through, it was quite an emotional time actually because it was the first Chelsea game after John Neal had passed away. So you had a comment, you had people singing Johnny Neal's Blue and White Army. When we won 5 0. So it was just Johnny Neal's Blue and White Army for the entire second half and also won Di Matteo on the 16th minute. And I mention it because it's Di Matteo and he, like, he's my Chelsea here. And it also, it really bristled with Mourinho at the time because he was asked about it and he didn't like it and I always think it's one of the great paradoxes with Chelsea we had all these great 
managerial egos and big names and that. And the two men that got us to Champions League finals were effectively interim managers, <laughs> Avram Grant and Roberto Di Matteo. That's very, so very true. Yeah, I remember that very, very well. That whole <coughs> whole one Di Matteo on the 16th minute lasted yeah. quite a, a long time, actually. And I do remember Mourinho bristling about it. Um you know, no, he's you know because he he was just jealous because he hadn't won us the European Cup. He was, yeah. And it, it was a preview of what he sadly now is oh. in terms of you know having to you know get a rise out of Chelsea fans. He's it's a narcissist, mate. It's oh yeah, best of the Lord, isn't he? But there we go. I mean, ironically, once he once he leaves Tottenham, we'll probably all love him again. But there we go. Mate, I, I love him for for what he did for the club. Oh, you can't absolutely. can't can't take that away. But you you don't have absolutely. you don't have to like the man much. And no, I, absolutely, yeah. he's responsible for some of the greatest moments of yeah. my life watching Chelsea. But yeah. he is also a bit of a twat at times. Yes, indeed. Harsh but true. But let's get back to Di Matteo. I think he's a, like I said earlier. I think every other everyone else would have mentioned equally worthy names. I just wanted to put in someone who's a, maybe a little bit different. And is responsible for to the finest moments in Chelsea history, both on the pitch, contributing to it, and in the dugout. No, it, 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 this is the point, though. It has to be your choice, your hero. I don't think it. I don't think it has to tally that it. It was the best ever cl- player at the club. It's who you, you know, who was your hero. I think I chose Kerry. Yeah. In I, the end, I can imagine Kerry came up, and also the um, Roman goal celebration when he scored first time Chelsea. Yes. Still, still knocking about somewhere. Yeah. Jody Morris there alongside. Exactly, it? exactly. So what about what about the current squad, you know, more more kind of recent times? You've got a few favourites there? Uh, yes. Uh, well, I'm going to Kante, although sadly he may not be contributing in the current environment, I think. He's just a fantastic midfielder. And two of the people I mentioned, I've done as much for the hate they generate from people who claim to be Chelsea fans as anyone else and they are Marcus Alonso and William. Um, I think with William especially it's like multiple managers he's played under and they've all used him. Yeah. And then we'll come to the same conclusion. He can actually play football a bit. Yeah. So some geezer are off the internet saying he's shit <laughs> versus, you know, multiple title winning managers. I know whose judgment I'm going to trust on that. Um and as well it, it may be the end of his Chelsea career coming up. So I think yeah. he does it. A little bit of a shout for that. Alonso, if you score two goals against Spurs, <laughs> you're up there as far as I'm concerned. And then the goal he scored recently against them just calls absolute pylons. It's brilliant. Yeah. And I've also meant, I've mentioned as well, I mean, the promise, it's kind of a shame that the season got curtailed the way it has because yeah. the promise that's starting to be shown by some of the younger players, Mount Gilmore, Reese James, who I think is going to be absolutely brilliant, barring injuries. It's absolutely mouth-watering going forward, and we just hope that, that it's not been interrupted by this and it's what's been going on in the world because it looked like it was starting to come together a little bit. It's as much promise for the future as as the current squad. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, exactly. Of course, we we won't know until we know, but it, it is a worry, isn't it, when when they've had their you know development curtailed and and, and what yeah. if 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 any uh, impact that that will have on them. But uh, but we shall see. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. 
the thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, time for your favourite matches, Martin. Kick it off. Okay, I've limited this to three games I've actually been to. Good man. So, so the first one is the two-all in the new Camp in April 2012. From 2-0 down, a man down, reaching the Champions League final. I was in, and it was just an absolute... Well, I spent most of the second half, frankly, shitting myself. And I had nothing to do with the beer or the food. It was... So, obviously, Ramirez scored just before half-time. Um, and this realisation that, oh, as it stands, we're actually through. And after that, it was... Oh, my... It was just basically the ball was in... Bloody Barcelona half. Um, we fell on our own 18 yard box. It felt like for the entire second half. We'd be watching periods of the day. Now, if you're in the new camp, you're up in the gods. And the stadium clock is, you turn right like this, and you're up, the clock's there. And it just counts down, um, counts up rather. So I'm watching this game, and you know, we've had a clearance, we've booted it long, and so like, oh, that must have eaten up some time. And you look at it, only, the clock's only moved a bloody minute from the last time you looked at it. Just, oh, my God. Absolutely. We just spent the entire second half waiting for Barcelona to get their third goal and that would be the end of it. So the fact that it didn't happen and then on a clearance, Torres has gone clear. And even as he's gone clear, rounded Valdez, I'm still thinking back to Old Trafford earlier in the season when he missed a sitter. And I've very loud, I distinctly remember loud saying, don't fuck this up. He's not hurt because you know, I'm near the bloody I'm near the bloody stars on the pitch, and it's gone in and just the release of adrenaline was unbelievable. And I know Munich is because it's a you know winning the trophy, but I think that was the equal. If you were there, it was sensational. And I just remember I just remember this smell of cigars behind me when that goal when his four lads and just sparked up cigars at the same time. And to the left, I was right near the stairwell, and this old boy's just gone pelting backwards down the. St- it wasn't the head, it wasn't the pleasant land. It's gone bump, 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 hit everything. Oh my god! And then he just got up and carried on celebrating, regardless. I suspect he was. <laughs> I suspect when he adrenaline wore off the next morning, he was 
probably a little bit stiff, but it was just an amazing, amazing evening. And I didn't know about Gary Neville at the time. So that was the, we were just like, you know, days when I've checked my phone the next morning. And this was Twitter in relative infancy and everyone's talking about Gary Neville. So I didn't know about the, the goalgasm, if you like, until a day later. And it's just added to it a little bit. I mean, what, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't lucky enough to be there, and, and I, I was in the hand and flower, funnily enough, and it was yeah. probably the tensest match I've ever, ever oh, seen. It, it was just absolutely yeah. shitting yourself before we. But to be there. there, I mean, you know, what was it like yeah. being one of the lucky few who got there? It was well euphoric once the result went our mm. way, but for a lot of the time, you're waiting for the inevitable, and when you it, that makes it because someone, as you pointed out, I mean, the first half they were battering us. And then Terry got sent off and he was stupid, quite frankly. So just waiting for the inevitable to happen. And then when the inevitable doesn't happen, you know, Messi missed a penalty and things like that. And you, you don't dare think it, but as the time ticks on, ticks on, ticks on, it's like, we're still here. But you're still thinking, oh, it's going to be something like the Iniesta goal again, isn't it? And concede in the 89th minute. And then we score in the <laughs> in stoppage time. And I just remember, oh, can you... When there was just applause, not not from our end, from the new camp. And I'd like to think some of that was um, just for the sheer amount of ball shown on the pitch that evening. But I suspect not they hated us. Well, that was, I think that was something about that team. They had such indomitable spirit and belief yeah. and determination. Uh, and I think led very much by the old guard who I think knew it was their last chance. Yeah, absolutely. They yeah. just weren't giving up. We've all seen, we've seen droppers memoirs about it as well yeah. when you just talked about this is my last chance and things like that and it just took them through goes back to the Napoli game as well which was euphoric in its own way and you probably experienced it as much because it was at the, at the bridge yeah that's the best atmosphere I've seen at the bridge yeah you know. that was unbelievable. yeah unbelievable. absolutely brilliant um you've got a, a, a really interesting uh second choice as one of your favorite matches which I, I suspect many people wouldn't wouldn't have immediately thought. So tell, tell me about that one. Uh, yeah, the, um, so in eight, end of April 2017, we've gone up to Goodison Park and it was considered that the last hurdle, so it was like the last game that looked tricky. Every time we go to Goodison Park play, but no matter what state they're in, they give us a game. They could be in the relegation zone and they would still give us a game. So to go up there, to beat them 3-0 comfortably, um, you know, Pedro scored an absolute screamer to start it off. And that I was in the lower the lower tier of that end, it's the two-tiered away end. If you're in the upper part of it, it's a little bit remote, a little bit distant, and you've got great bloody poles everywhere. Lower tier, still equally rickety, but just the rush when every of everyone piling forward when Pedro scored, and then I think again I think it's Kale scored second and ran around the goal towards the away end was just an amazing afternoon and it was um it was as much the fact that we came out the ground it was with one three nil and the title was you know i think we were four points off the title three points off the title at the time and it was just this yes we've done it and it was just a euphoric feeling unbelievable it's only a little bit left field but it just came to my mind straight away and as well because every other time i think we've been a good as involved one and shit <laughs> Excellent, and uh, the last choice is uh, is quite a popular one, actually. And, and really, I, I, you know, I could have completely rephrased. I mean, you know, 
we'll get to best and worst moment in a minute, but I could have rephrased that as the tell me about the matches that have made you cry. Uh, but I could have had a section of tell me about the matches that have made you laugh hysterically. And, and I think this would probably not be number one on most people's list, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Chelsea 6, Arsenal 0. Arsenal then has one thousandth game in charge. Arsenal player getting sent off for mistaken identity. And just remember, going, we went back. This is when the hand of flag was still going. So yeah. we went back there after the game, bumped into a mate. We just looked, we not even spoke to each other at the time, just looked at each other and burst out laughing while waiting to be served. And I suspect that was repeated across the afternoon. It was an un- unreal. It was a combination of brilliance on our part, Arsenal being shit and just absolute comedy. It's just an amazing afternoon. It's like, like we said earlier, Arsenal had the Indian sign over us for so long. Yeah. And just when things like Winterburn, Sylvania, Carnu, and just to do that to them was like all, every, in a way, being Barcelona or getting past Barcelona was like the, the pain of the of Rainbow game kind of dissipated. And this just kind of put a full stop on the the Indian side. I'd say for most people, when Bridge scored at Highbury, that would have yeah. been the relief. But this was just a comedic full stop. And I just, re- I just remember the drink afterwards as much as anything. Absolutely right. I mean, I, I think this match and uh, beating Tottenham 5-1 at Wembley in the semi-final are the matches where I have laughed the most. Just, oh, yes. Kind of disbelieving laughter, you know, it's just hilarious. Just, and you've reminded me of that now. And I just remember, because the first thing, Drogba's first goal was an absolute rocket. And my, two of my mates have been made for Tottenham fans. They were livid. And they, they were still going on about the goal line technology. And yeah. Because one of the goals a bit, so, mate, we scored this, this, this and this as well. They most definitely crossed the line. Yeah, that was hilarious. I was with with uh, Stu Norman at that match, and I remember yeah. just <laughs> laughing and laughing. But this this topped it. This was uh, yeah. this was just hilarious, and of course, ruining Arsenal Wenger's thousandth match and that whole kind of Mourinho Wenger thing as well. Yeah, it was um, it was just hilarious, and the whole Oxlade Chamberlain Giggs mix up capped it off. Yeah, yeah, of course, there was that too. Brilliant stuff. All right, uh, best moment for you as a Chelsea supporter. Okay, well, it's a game I couldn't get to because I was very much skinned at the time. I was an impoverished student, but it was the um, the title win at Bolton in 2005. Um, it's the first time I saw my team win the league in my lifetime, and I suspect it was the same for many yeah. others as well. So even though I was only watching it on the box, it was just, I still can't believe this is happening, and that stays with you. Still leaves a lump in the throat when you see Lampard, replays of Lampard's goals. And... Yeah, you always remember the first time, apparently. You do. Uh, <laughs> and that's why if we win the European Cup again, it'll never be, be the same. You can't beat that first time. I'd, I'd love I'd love the chance to find out, though. Yeah. I regret not being at Bolton, but I mm. couldn't get a ticket. Watched it on my own in the pub. Uh, but I, I do, you know, I, I also feel blessed that I was able, because I hadn't been at Bolton, to, you know, to get to Fulham Road nice and, you know, right after the game and 3,000 Chelsea fans going absolutely mental. And uh, Dr. Mark, Phil Norman, the Blues Brothers, all of that lot there, we just got absolutely hammered. And that almost made up for it. Almost. Yeah. But uh, to have been there would have been quite special. Now, uh, your worst moment is a great one. So let tell me about your worst moment. Steve fucking Guppy. So for further, for further background, this was in April 1999. And this was a season where, up to this point, we're in a three-way title race with... 
Arsenal and Man U. We were, dis- we were distinctly the third place team in this at the time, but we still had a good chance when the league was bloody tight. We were top of the league in December, I believe. I think we were Bookie's favourites. But we went 2 0 up at Stamford Bridge against Leicester. Um, there was a Michael Dubry on goal, 2 1. And then in the 88th minute, Guppy does something again. Well, Winterburn, he'd never fucking do it again in his life if he tried. Scores an absolute worldie and just bends it around to Hoy from an improbable angle. And that was just, it knocked us out of the race there. And then I know mathematically it was still on, but we were never going to recover that many points against Arsenal and Man U in the form they were in. And at the point, I genuinely thought that's the best chance we're ever going to have on the title and we've just fucked it up. And this was pre-Roman, didn't know who he was. And then the subsequent years after that, we very much became a cup team under under Ranieri. And that stung for a while because it was just, that was our chance to win the league and we'd blown it. After when Man U looked like a duopoly yeah. until the moment Roman Abramovich came in. And the fact it was such a bloody good goal meant you kept seeing replays of it every other flaming. Every time you got to summer in the Premier League, they keep showing that goal. It's like, don't do that. Fuck's sake. And, you know, even now you like, still get a little bit of a pain when you see it go in because it looks like it looks like it should be just about going wide and it dips at the bends at the last minute and goes in. But yeah, the Steve Guppy is a swear word. Yeah, I, I remember it vividly and exactly that. We all felt that that had been it. In those days, you know, it was you, you couldn't afford to lose a game. I mean, you know, you, you knew that if you'd lost four games, you know, that was it. You know, if you're five, six games, you weren't going to win the title. Now, not that we expected to, obviously, but there was a real feeling about that year. We were playing some fantastic football. Yeah. It was really coming think, together, wasn't it? Yeah, it was earlier early in the season. I think it was in January. Uh, we played Coventry at home. And I remember they, for whatever reason, the game finished late. And they interrupted the classified check. There's been a goal at Stamford Bridge. It was Chelsea had scored it 1 0. It's like, we might be on for something here. And then there was too many draws. I think we we're trying to juggle the cup winners cup campaign as well. It's not this wasn't the year we won it, it was the season after. And we went out it's kind of that happened. We went out in the semi final with a cup winners cup things to Mallorca. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. We we thought we were going to get so much and it's going to be, you know, big fat zero. But that was we were se- disappointed. Yeah, I mean, we, we were second in the table when we played Leicester, and then then it all fell up. Well, I mean, we didn't actually lose for the rest of the season, but you know, just dropping those points, we went down to third, yeah. and that's where we stayed, sadly. But yeah, uh, well, we were after we'd lost the first game of the season in to Coventry. It was always bloody Coventry for some reason. <laughs> um, we lost that first game. Apparently, we were unbeaten until December or January because we went on an unbeaten run that long, and then. Still, we drop a few points and go from second to second to third, which tells you how good Arsenal and Man U were at the time, because they just, Man U especially, would turn after Christmas and just go into be absolutely relentless, and you couldn't afford to drop points. Indeed, you couldn't. Uh, you have another another uh, selection, which you know I, I would absolutely agree with. I don't, yeah. think I, I don't think I've ever felt so miserable uh, leaving a Wembley final. Yeah, it's very much a first world problem, but. Um, I thought we would do the double again in 2017 and that performance against Arsenal. Because I, re- I remember there was that league. Well, after we won the league title at West Brom, which I, tells you something that I've managed to completely forget that when that was a game where we just we ended up drinking 
booze and wine and champagne on the train back from Birmingham. That was an amazing night. Um, but there was, we, I think we played another game on Monday, and it was like a 4 3 against Watford, and the players looked like they'd been on the piss for about yeah. three days solid. And unfortunately, that carried on into the cup final, which was lackluster. Um, I, Arsenal were in a state at the time, and I think if we had beaten them, I think Wenger may have gone at that point. That was their last chance to achieve and make anything of it. And we just didn't turn in a performance. It was this. I know there was an offside goal at the start, but it was just so lackluster for the entire time. Victor Moses got himself sent off with the most stupid dive I've ever seen. And um, yeah, it was like we'd achieved so much in that season, but it kind of tailed off a little bit. I think it was still a fantastic season, but it could have been a double winning season. Uh, and and sh- should have been. Definitely should have been. First world problems. Yeah, definitely should have been. We were definitely favourites for that. Uh, and, yeah. and I mean, we, we, you know, apart from uh, you know losing to Arsenal that horrendous three 0 which of course you and I were at. Well, we were there, but we weren't there. We kind of. <laughs> I distinctly remember buggering off at half time. sort of mentally, I'd gone. I just. I talked to John Fleming part. for the most for the most of the second half. I think. <laughs> I was. I bumped into Pablo, and he was like, "You're so angry, you can't form words." I think it was just guttural swearing because we were so incompetent. Yeah, we had a few good drinks afterwards and the faltering fullback, I remember. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we thought that was named after Ivanovic. Indeed. That was, a, that was a good night. But we had the edge over Arsenal all season. They were declining. Wenger had lost the plot. We, we, we were so shooed in to win that. And you're right. We, they played really well, but we didn't turn up. And I think that was the disappointing thing, really. Yeah, very much so. And I actually thought, more recently, did. Um, Europa League final against Arsenal, a similar thing would happen because they had to win it yeah. and we did with secure Champions League. So that was a bit more of a reverse when they were like us on that cup final. But it was nice to win a European trophy, but it was no potential double. They don't come round very often and I think that's the realisation, no. isn't it? No, same applies with um, the World Club Championship as well. Yeah. Blew that against Corinthians. Yeah, bloody Benitez. But, Oh, don't! For, for, I know there's people who went who are still angry about that to this day. But that may be as much for the journey back with a plane full of Brazilians who wouldn't shut up by all accounts. <laughs> well, there you go. Right, uh, the final hurdle, Martin. Uh, you, you, we all like a bit of a sing song, as you well know. Uh, Indeed. Uh, what are your selections? I think my favourite, like general purpose one, has got to be you are my Chelsea. Yeah, because you can you can sing it pissed. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, for a more seasonal, topical one. I always love the Jingle Bells song and been able to do it for 10 minutes straight just before Christmas against Spurs at their new ground was fantastic. And just one of the, one of the few, one of the positives about Tottenham's new ground is it's got what the equivalent of rail seating. So you've got chest high barriers all over the place. You've just got pogo off the barriers and just singing Jingle Bells for 10 minutes. That was a, that was an enjoyable afternoon, shall we say. Um, and I've got a one-off here as well. And I, could, I know you're looking at it if you've got a bit of a smile on your face. And it was the um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was from the it was from the 1997 Charity Shield. Wow. We played, Man, we played Manchester United, and I believe David Beckham was one of the substitutes for Man U. And I was 12 years old at the time, so the facts life was just about starting to fall into place and all that. And as he's, he's warming up on the grand track as Wembley used to have in those days. And all we could hear behind me was Chelsea. Okay? Oh, 
this this is also when um at the time that Dave Beck started um, dating Victoria um, from the Spice Girls, Posh Spice. And all we could hear, so these these twelve year twelve year old ears at the time, all we could hear was, does she like it up the ass? Now I don't think they're referring to Highbury either, but <laughs> and this was going on. And he, what I do remember is that Beckham just cupped his ears and started laughing. And I've always maintained that um, in the late nineties football was at that point where it was in the it was the media present was a lot more, but there was still a bit of a, a cheeky side to it. If you did that now, there'd be a two day inquest about it and charges brought and everything. But then it was just laughed off as one of those things. And it just it just stuck in my mind, and as as I was coming as one as a one off song, and I just, it still makes me giggle to this day, which probably tells you how um, much of a child I am still. But you know we've got we've got to take take our humour where we can. And I think I think you know to be fair, you know Chelsea's humour in songs is is, is you know is legion, isn't it? I mean we've yeah. we've, we've got a reputation. It can be pretty harsh. Yeah, well, there's one that was completely innocent um, back in 2013. We played Basel in the Europa League semi-final, I believe. Yeah. And they had um, this TIFO that went up. And at some point, the middle of the away end, we've got these four candles, Roman candles lighting up. And it's, so initially there was laughter. And, you know, what the fucking hell was that? What was it? Then, as one, everyone started, because it was candles, everyone started singing happy birthday to you. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a oh, God. It, there was some. It was a very. It was just like it just went from laughter and amusement to happy birthday. To you. And they put the candles out, and everyone started cheering. <laughs> nice one, Martin. I'm. I'm gonna before we say you know cheerio. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lob in one more question for you, actually. Um, okay. Because you're one of the, the the many people that I know who are lucky enough to go home and away, and, and you've been doing it for a fair old while. Europe as well. Yep. Um, what does it What does it mean to you to 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 you know to be able to go to Chelsea home and away and Europe? I just consider myself fortunate as much as anything. That a that I'm near enough to Stamford Bridge that I can get to home games regular, and that I could have, I've got enough disposable income that I can do aways domestically and in Europe. I, cer- I certainly could, I consider it a, a privilege. I certainly don't doesn't make me any better than a fan who can't, whether it's due to finances or geography. And, yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I've certainly missed the, the rituals before and after the drinking and, you know, meeting people. Football, maybe less so. I can live without that. And it's going to be very, when it does eventually resume in a few weeks' time without fans, it's going to be a, a very facsimile version of what football should be. And it seems presumably to be done to fulfil a television contract going to be different and you know my wallet's certainly not complaining about not being able to do it at mm. the moment <laughs> but um i can't wait for a time when we are able to do it again mainly because i miss you you fucker <laughs> <laughs> well the feeling is entirely mutual not to mention the cricket of course because we quite often, indeed yeah we quite often bump into each other there but i mean you know what 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 makes following chelsea so special for you do you think um the co- just the collective belief in something yeah. it's you know, I wouldn't. There are people who I have met that I never would have done had it not been for Chelsea. Yeah. And it's just, in terms of you can you can have your political beliefs, you can have your social beliefs, whatever, whether your your religion or sexual orientation, race, gender, and one thing that does unite everyone is Chelsea. 
I agree with you there. I, I, what's what I've always loved about it, actually, and I, you know, interestingly, I think Chelsea. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know what other clubs are like. Maybe they're the same, but I always feel that uh, you leave your. It's just such a different, vast array of different people, different beliefs, different backgrounds, different political views, different, you know, kind of moral ethics, or you name it, you know. But yeah. you leave you leave all of your prejudices at the door. Because as long as you're Chelsea, that's all that matters. And people will take you on that face value. I mean, for yeah. example, I've got quite a posh voice and all the rest of it. I've never once been, you know, nobody's ever had a dig at me. All the years I've been going to Chelsea, I've never had that issue with anybody. No, you're yeah, Chelsea. Think, that's all that we, we care about, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think, I think, I'll be honest. I think that's pretty much that's the same. I'm sure it is. club up and down the country. But what it's also allowed me to do is just, the amount of people I've met is like, Recently, I was at a, at a work do. We had to do this two truths, one lie thing. And because I'm OJK, I could use one of the... the I, I know the bloke <laughs> who voiced the Ferrero Rocher advert. And everyone's gone, no, oh, that's bollocks, that's bollocks. Oh, it's true. <laughs> and just, yeah, it's amazing what you can, um, can pick up. Quality. Well, JK, he, he does have his uses, as we all know. <laughs> uh, Martin, uh, it's been an absolute privilege doing this with you. I've really, really enjoyed that. Uh, not well, quite well, as thanks, much. Thanks for inviting me. No problem at all, mate. Not quite as much as I enjoy having a pint or three with you in the cock or, or, or the Atlas or, or wherever we end up having a drink. And long oh. and, and, and I, I can't wait until that moment comes back. It, it can't come a moment too soon. Indeed. And I've also think as well, while everything's been locked down, the community that's built up, at Chelsea has been benefited everyone really because I think it's kept a few heads on where otherwise they may have struggled quite right too indeed well hopefully I might might see you in the virtual pub next Friday you never know (laughs) indeed see you then (laughs) All right, mate take care well done great stuff It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.